as I was reading through the scriptures, this this word just jumped out at me, and um, and it just touched me. And it's from the book of Proverbs. There's a lot in Proverbs. If you start reading the book of Proverbs, and there's a lot that there's standalone verses, and you just never know what you're going to come across from one to the next. And I've probably read Proverbs through dozens of times, probably maybe even hundreds of times over the years. But this word is just powerful. What I want to talk about for the next few minutes is plowing in season. Plowing in season. How many have ever plowed? A couple. Um, You've done it with a tiller, maybe. I've done it with a tiller. I haven't done it with an actual plow and a horse like they did then. But Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 20, verse number 4 says, Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look, but find nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't remember. I'd be hard-pressed to think of the last time that I used the word sluggard. Maybe slug, but not sluggard. It's not a word I don't think is thrown around very much today, but it still has a powerful meaning. And when I tell you what the definition is, there's probably someone that might pop up in your mind, and hopefully it's not you. Sluggard, by definition, is a habitually lazy person. A habitually lazy person. Now, I mean, if you know what lazy means, you got a good idea. But I think it puts a little more emphasis in it when you actually look it up in the dictionary. Lazy, by definition, means unwilling to use work or energy. Unwilling to use work or energy. So what this is saying is that sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look and they find nothing. Somebody who's habitually lazy, they're unwilling to work or to use up energy, they don't plow when it's time to plow. And when harvest time comes, they look around and they don't see anything. It's almost like they wonder why. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 18, it says, Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. Somebody that needs to take care of their house and they don't and they know it and they just sit around and pretty much the thing falls apart because they just let it go and it could have been prevented. I think that we all have bouts of laziness. I know I do. You ever ever had a bout of laziness? I mean, just come up on you and you just feel like, I really don't want to do anything. And I can remember last month at the at the the second week in January when I came down with the flu, I can't say that I was lazy. I I was sick, but I didn't feel like just doing nothing. And after 
two and a half days of binge watching different TV programs. Now, I'm, I probably don't watch some of the same programs that you may watch because my interests are different. I, I watched, let's see, I spent one day watching engineering catastrophes. And I spent, um, what was the other things I watched? Um, Something to do with uh, history and just different things like that. I mean, it's just because I'm fascinated with history and uh, and construction, different things like that. So, but some pretty fascinating stuff. But after watching that, I'm thinking I, I can't do this anymore. I, I just I I've got to do something. But there's something inside of some people where they have made that a way of life and they've made that a point of contentment in their lives. Sometimes we may know that there's something that needs to be done, but we just can't seem to find the motivation or start it or even finish it. Procrastinators Anonymous will have a meeting right away tomorrow. (laughs) There are some things that may not matter if they're put off or not started until tomorrow, but there are some things that absolutely matter. Cleaning out the garage, storage shed, or the closet probably won't be that big of a deal if it's not started right away. But even those things will need attention at some point. There have been TV shows made where none of those things were ever given much attention and eventually it caused frustration and other deep consequences. But in a spiritual sense, I believe what the scripture is saying is that we must be plowing in season at the right time or at the harvest time there is going to be nothing there is a time to harvest and there's a few scriptures that I want to read tonight Isaiah chapter 28 verses 23 through 26 listen and hear my voice pay attention and hear what I say this is the Lord talking when a farmer plows for planting Does he plow continually? Is that all a farmer does? Does he just plow and plow and plow and plow and there's nothing else for him to do is just plow? No. Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? Does he keep doing that over and over again? No. He doesn't do that. It's only the first step. But before anything else happens, that first step has to happen. Verse 25 says, when he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and, and spelt in its field? And verse 26 says, God instructs him and teaches him the right way. I believe that there is a time for planting and there is a time for uh, sowing seed and there is a time for us to get the instruction of the Lord. But if we never plow, if we never plow, then we will never see anything else that happens. We must plow in season when the time is right. And I submit to you that the time is right. If you've not been plowing, now is the time to plow. And get things ready. In response to some saying that they would follow Jesus. But first they needed to go and take care of something else. 
There were a number of people in this story in Luke chapter 9. And, uh, well, I'll follow you, but let me do this first. And if the enemy has his way, everything else will be more important than following Jesus. And Jesus replied this in Luke 9.62. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That sounds harsh. But what Jesus is saying is that once you start plowing, once you start following Jesus, there is no room for you to turn and look back the other way. Remember Lot's wife. There was a longing in her that longed for something else that was back behind her. And what Jesus is saying, as long as you look back and you are not plowing, you are not preparing, you are not following Jesus, as long as you have that longing and you're looking back and you're not looking forward to following Jesus, you are not plowing in season, you are not fit for service in the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus cannot use us if we are continually looking back because if we're continually looking back, at some point we are not going to be plowing and we're going to take our hand off of the plow. And eventually we're just going to stop. We must not look back after we stop plowing. Plowing in season is a must in order to get to the next step of planting and watering or there will be no harvest. Sometimes God has to remind us to focus on Him and not the world or the sin around us. Sometimes He has to kind of yank our chain just a little bit and say, pay attention, I'm talking to you. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 11 and 12 says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Boy, I sure thought that growing up. I mean, you've ever heard parents, or maybe you said this, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I don't, did I ever say that? I don't think I ever, maybe. My mom had a different philosophy. My mom, my mom would tell me, she would say, you're going to get a spanking. You deserve it, and it don't bother me a bit. You're going to get it. And I got it. She said, it won't hurt me a bit. She was just that way. Now, she loved me, but that discipline was painful. How many know there's a difference between discipline and punishment? The scripture says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And the thing is, is discipline is not punishment. Discipline by definition, means instruction. That's where we get the word disciple. Disciples of Christ. He instructed them and corrected them when they were wrong. So it's correction and it's instruction to do right. But punishment is not the same as discipline. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, the scripture says it produces, here it is, a harvest of righteousness and peace. 
a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You can tell when you have been around young people that have been instructed and disciplined and taught and corrected. You can tell when you have been around those type. You can tell even as adults when people interact how they were brought up in many cases because it follows them all of their lives. They know that. And if you don't think it, it does, uh, when's the last time that words have actually come out of your mouth and you, and you said, like that, guy, like that Geico commercial, we can't keep you from turning into your parents. It's like, I'm saying stuff that my mom or my dad said to me. I've heard that. And, and you're like, how many have ever had that happen? Comes out of your mouth and there it is. Yeah. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. So strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Plowing in season, which means our spiritual walk with the Lord, will produce a harvest because we will have sown the right seeds after we have plowed. Galatians 6, 8 through 10 says this, Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. So if we plant seeds... To please us, then we'll reap destruction. Whoever sows seeds to please the Spirit, talking about the Lord, the Spirit of God, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So from the Lord, we will reap eternal life if we do our best to please God. Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't get tired of your Christian walk in the Lord. Don't get tired of doing... You know, sometimes... You get to the place and you're thinking, you're thinking, you know, I'm a patient person. I try to measure my words out and I try to say the right things and I try to be kind to everybody. But this person is just getting under my skin. Can I just once tell them what I really think? And say, Lord, forgive me later. What kind of seeds do we sow? Don't give up. Don't get weary in doing good. For at, the, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't ever give up. You've come too far to turn back now. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. How many of you have ever watched ants? And when you watch them crawl on the ground, they do an amazing amount of things. They form a line and they go and they work and they collect a bunch of stuff. Proverbs 6 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. He's telling, he says, and, and I got the New Living Translation here too. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. <laughs> Learn from their ways and become wise. All you got to do is watch them. 
And it's amazing. They be they are carrying stuff that's bigger than they are. And you're thinking, what in the world are they going to do with all that stuff? Well, they've got a plan. And they know what they're doing. They're all working together. Plowing in season is what we must do. Breaking up the unplowed ground in our hearts. How many know that without, if we don't plow in season, then our hearts can become uncultivated and become hard and hardened. And the Lord wants us to plow. When the Lord told his people, the people of Israel, that they would return to him, he said this in Jeremiah 4, 3. He said, this is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Break up your unplowed ground. The ground of your heart that is hardened over, plow it up. Because it's in your heart that the seeds that need to be sown will be sown from the Lord and they will be great and they will grow. But as long as the ground is hard, it won't ever grow. Now, I, I garden some, not as much as I used to garden, but the soil that we have has a lot of clay in it. And, and um, I plant the tomato plants and, and they do pretty well. And then it rains and it rains and then the ground becomes packed down and it becomes hard. And so what happens then is when it rains, the water won't absorb. It just makes a seal across the ground and the water comes down and just runs off and it never gets down into the plant itself. And so what I have to do is I have to take the, the hoe and I have to go along and I have to break up the ground around that plant and then when it rains because that ground has been broken up then the water comes down in there and I think in a spiritual sense we have to do the same thing plowing in season means when the time is right and if our hearts aren't plowed up and they're not cultivated and they've gone hardened then they need to be cultivated we need to we're in we're the ones that are in control of saying Lord, I don't want my heart to be hardened toward you or toward the people of God or toward anything that you want to do in my life. And then I want to plow. I want to plow up this ground of my heart and I want it to be soft so that you can plant what you want. David put it this way. He said I, I, he, that the Lord took his stony heart away from him and gave him a heart of flesh. Meaning that the hardness that was on the inside of him was taken away and God put his heart in him, what he wanted. How would it be to live your life knowing that each day when you walk around and when you're consciously interacting with people that you actually have a genuine compassion and love for the people that are around you and you care about their eternal destiny because you've cared enough about your own to make that decision, to make the change that you know that you need to make. Plowing up your ground in season. In the right season, it has to be. And I'm just about finished with this, but I want to close with this verse in First Corinthians chapter three, chapter three, verse six through fifteen. There was an argument going on in the church because some people were elevating some people over another and say, I follow Paul, and the other says, I follow Apollos. But this is what Paul writes in First Corinthians three six. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. He recognized that 
each one had a part. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, for they will be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. I want you to see this, because Jesus said that if we put our hand to the plow and we look back, we are not fit for service in the kingdom of God. But here it's saying that for those that will plant seeds and they that will water, and they can only do that after they have plowed the hard ground of their heart and they have been plowing for the Lord, they've been looking for, working for the Lord. He said, we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. You are God's field and God's building. You are like a field that he wants to plant in. In verse 10, he says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder on someone else's and someone else's building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our foundation. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, which represent works with wrong motives, works that are done for selfish reasons and not truly for Christ, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what, has been, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though, even though, as one, uh, even though only as one escaping through the flames. I don't want to be unwilling or too lazy to make sure my relationship with the Lord is where he wants it to be, where it needs to be. I want to plow in season so that I will not be lacking when harvest time comes. And my friends, there is a time when we will all stand before God and we will all give an account and the righteous judge of the world, of the whole universe, will look at everything that we've done and measure it. And I want what I have planted for the glory of God to have sprung forth into something great for his glory. Not anything ever for mine. Because nothing I do really matters unless it's for him. Many people try to build a legacy. They try to have a remembrance of something that they leave here. There was a song I heard on the radio this week. And it said this. It said the greatest gift a mother can give is, an, is the knowledge of the Lord. The greatest gift a father can give is a life lived for Jesus. That's what we can give. 
the legacy of us giving and sowing into other people's lives will far outlive us should the Lord tarry. That will make the difference. I want you to think for a moment back to someone who had an important part in your life. Hopefully it was someone who knew the Lord. Think about someone who knew the Lord that sowed into your life. Is there something tangible that you have that reminds you of them? And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But the important thing is not the thing. The important thing is what's in here that you remember and that you hold dear. That's what's the important thing. Plow in season. 